Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. Julia is one of our rabbinic residents and is going to be partnering in teaching this class with me today. Um, Rabbi Shapiro is back next week, which is very exciting, but it's also been really nice to be able to do this with some of our residents uh, to be able to give both them the experience and you the experience of learning with them. Uh, so very excited to have Julia here with us. What I'm going to have Julia do is share her screen with the Parsha. And Julia, you'll take them through kind of a summary of where we're at on the Parsha in the Parsha and up until the verse that we're going to do. And then you can start with the verse. Does that make sense? Um, Sure. Let me pull it up. Um, As um, Rabbi Shad said, I am Julia Nalbach. I am one of the residents um, here at Beth Am. And um, I'm in my second year at Ziegler. And um, we are going to look um, at the Parsha of the week, obviously, which is Vayetze. And um, let me... Um, I was prepared to just give a summary, but it does obviously way, make more sense to show you through um, as we go on the screen. Um, where is it? 2810. So it starts Bereshit 2810. Um, and um, um, Rabbi Schatz, um, when I'm be talking um if you could just admit people because then i don't have to um then i don't have to to to, to have the eye on that that would be that would be great um and let me share my screen where is it share what all right so um so yes so Vayetze, um he left um is the is the is the, is the beginning word of the the parsha that sets the tone for uh, that tells us what is happening which is as we can see Jacob I'm just doing this in the English I think that's that's that, that's fine um Jacob left Beersheba and he he sets out for Haran meaning um he's leaving he's leaving his um his family um after after um the after he he took the blessing, the birthright and the blessing from Esaph, and Esaph um, is very angry, understandably, and he um, wants to kill him. And um, so Jacob flees um, um, to Haran, um, where um, his relatives are, um, um, namely his uncle Lavan, who we are going to meet um, pretty soon. But before he gets there, he stops for the night. And um, we're having here one of the most very iconic passages um, of um, the book of, in, of, of, of Bereshit, of Genesis. Um, um, it's Jacob's dream. It's the ladder that he sees the angels going up and down. And then God appears to him in, um, in, in, in that place that he has chosen, where Jacob has chosen to, to lodge for the night or to lodge like he doesn't, doesn't have a lodging because he left very hastily and didn't make travel plans. So um, he just um, lies down in the place. Um, which has a whole different significance, um, which um, my drash that you can find in today's bulletin is actually about. Um, so we're not going to like, spend much time time on that. So so there is the there, there is the famous passage about um, the, the the Jacob's ladder and and his dream and God um, reassuring him that he's going to um, support him and 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 protect him um, on his way to Haran and and bring him back to the land. And he he sort of reiterates um the promise that he made to to Jacob's grandfather Abraham um that there will be many many descendants and um the land um will be theirs um and um so Jacob 
says the famous line, surely there's God is in this place. And I didn't know. So then he, he um, goes, um, he continues on his, on his way. Um, he comes to the land of the Easterners, meaning the land of Haran, where uh, the, like area of Haran, where his relatives are. He comes to the well. And as is so often in Torah, um, when someone goes to a well, they are meeting the love of their lives, um, which is certainly true, um, for Jacob. Um, at the the well, um, because this is where he meets Rachel and um, falls instantly in love with her and um, goes with her goes with her um, to to her family to his uncle and um, sort of takes refuge there and um, um, definitely wants wants to marry wants to marry Rachel and Laban um, um, promises him um, that he can do so but first he has to work um, seven, he has to work seven years in his, in his service gar- guarding his sheep um, and um, um, Jacob does that um, and then there's the there's the moment of the the, the wedding night when um, a, a woman is brought to him and then in the morning he realizes that it is not Rachel but um, it is Leah, um, the older sister, who he's not in love with, um, and then he he feels um, he feels duped, obviously, um, by his uncle, who just basically laconically um, is saying, "Well, that's not the custom of how we do it. We always marry off the older sister first. Um, you can work another seven years for me, and um, you, you you can marry Rachel." Um, Jacob is um, is obviously very angry about this, but he he agrees. To do that because he um, loves Rachel, and um, so this is more or less where we are coming upon the line that um, we have chosen for for today's for today's class. Um, which Juliet, do you want to yes. do do you want to do our line in Hebrew just so that people can see the the translation? Yes, and I, def- I I actually was going to um, bring up my sheet that I prepared where the awesome. verse is in Hebrew. Um, so I'm going to share that again. So where is my share? Right. So um, so here it is. So it is Adonai ki akara. Um, so, and um, and God saw that Leah was unloved and he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Um, I just want to pause here for, for for a second because once the two sisters um, are married, both to both to Jacob, um, Leah is notices feels has always felt that she is not as loved as as her sister, and um, and this is what the line refers to. And then Leah is um, the first of the of the, um, the, the, these two matriarchs who are starting to bear children and Rachel, the one who is so loved by Jacob, um, um, it takes a long time until, until she also uh, gives him a first son, which is, which is Joseph. Um, what I wanted to, to talk about is in terms of like the word, um, which is in the Hebrew, it is technically it is hated, um, but it is often translated as um, was unloved and um, and um, because this class has the perspective of mental health needs and and um, and well-being I thought it was interesting to look at it in terms of the need to be loved and also the need to um, to be able to give love and 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 and, and 
give care um, to others. So, um, so that's sort of like the, the framing, what goes on later on in the Parsha, just to sort of conclude before we go back to the, to the verse, is that, um, is that uh, they have this childbearing contest almost. And, um, um, and then at the end, um, there is the, there, there's the scene where um, Jacob is, uh, is um, I don't really know. It's about them. Um, about the sheep, um, where he is, where, where, where he is basically paying it back to, to, to Laban by, by very in, in intelligent and, and, and ingenuous grafting of, of, of the animals breeding, which I, every year I read it, I don't understand what he is doing. It turns out that he, um, was supposed to like have the, the, the less important, the, the less, um, um, lesser stock of, 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 of sheep as a, as, as a portion, but, um, he ends up having like the strongest and best sheep. And, um, then they, 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 they flee. Um, he wants to go back with his whole household. Um, Laban pursues him. Rachel takes the idols, an, another story, um, of, of her father's household. And, um, and then Laban pursues, um, Jacob, but eventually at the end of the pressure, they have a sort of reconciliation or at least like some sort of pact that they are not going to have any further family feuds. Um, that's, um, where the, where the pressure ends. And then the next, the next thing is when he's going to confront Esav, which is going to be in the next pressure. Um, but back to that, back to that verse, um, that Leah, that Leah was unloved and God opened her wound and Rachel Rachel was barren. One of the things actually that I find interesting is also that um, the word for barren in Hebrew is akara. And um, but if we change this one one vowel, actually it becomes zikara. So so this contrast of like being loved on one on one hand and and barren on the other, which is true for as we know for all of the basically all the matriarchs commentators also say that Leah was initially barren because it says God opened her womb um, um, uh, is, um, is an interesting, is an interesting parallel. Um, so the other thing also that is probably interesting to know, which some of you may be familiar with, but that, that the other Hebrew word that was interesting to look at is Rahma, um, which is womb and um, which also is connected, uh, is the same root for mercy. Um, so, or maybe empathy, like God opening her womb has this, has this sort of double meaning in terms of opening her womb, but also God seeing how Leah was unloved or hated if one wants to say that he uh, that God um opened her womb to sort of give her something to comfort her um like just to to tell me because this is the first time I'm doing this if you want to chime in Rabbi Schatz um, yeah so I'm gonna I'm gonna just pause you for a second and I'm gonna have people give kushiot and then um which some of them I'll respond to and some of them I'll let you respond to with commentaries um and then we'll I'll pass it back to you to to share some of the commentaries based on based on the thoughts that they that they have in their kushiot um okay any let me put the verse back up so that you all can can I can do it I can also do it. It's fine. Hold on. It's all right. I have it right here. Okay. Um, I was ready to go. Uh, sorry about the sound at the beginning. Uh, we, it's just, you know, not, another day on the ranch over here. Um, okay. So 
any cushiote on this particular verse. Uh, Julia just did a beautiful job of translating the specific words, um, but and I shouldn't say but, and very curious to hear if you have any thoughts on them or or want clarification. Elon, go ahead. Was or was God's intention to um, I don't know, compensate Leah for being unloved uh, by making her fertile, and was that? Was that his way of kind of um, equalizing thing? Rachel was loved, but she was barren. Uh, Leah was unloved, but she was fertile, and now things are equal. Yeah, so it seems to be that that is definitely the case, especially because, and some of you learned this with me during the Handmaid's Tale class, especially because the words, that I will be built up from my offspring, it definitely seems to be that that this idea of being able to bring forth life into this world brings uh, the opposite of a sense of, of loneliness, or in this case, being unloved because your child will love you, right? Hagar has Yishmael, they go away together. So it doesn't matter that Abraham isn't allowed to love her. She now has a child who she can love and can love her back. So it does seem to be, whether or not that's God, God's intention or our kind of societal read onto it, it does seem to be that those two things are being used as, as balancing points to make things equal between Rachel and Leah. Yeah. Renee. So, um, it's partly because you were bringing up the emotional and mental health uh, relative to this. It, it seems to me, or I'm not sure if it seems to me, but is it that um, God is also once again um, putting together a scenario where trust is involved? Like how much do they trust what God is doing? Where do you, where do you see trust in this line? Well, because they're they're saying that the Lord saw Leah was unloved, yeah. and so He did what He did. But then, at this while He was at the same time, He's also making Rachel barren. So, mm. you know, there's a whole trust issue between the two sisters. Mm-hmm. And if we believe that God has a play in everything that happens, mm-hmm. then then He's involved in that trust too. And, you know, is is Rachel going to hold out and do and wait the, you know, seven years because there's something that she'll get out of it or not? Interesting. I um I, I read it so differently, but it's, that's a very interesting take on it. Um, it's definitely putting God at the center, which I don't know that I would have read um, read before. I think I I read it a little bit more kind of like what Elon was was read it as is God is playing chess, right? To figure out how can I even this, this, this board here. Um, but, but it's an interesting point that maybe because of the mistrust in between Rachel and Leah, now they were turning their trust towards God. I don't know. Very, very interesting theology. Mike. Well, I, I just think the, uh, I, it, it's so interesting to ponder the conflicting emotions that Jacob must feel, uh, in the sense that here he is, uh, having children with with Leah and uh, and and how he was deceived and and then thinking as he's loving these children or or having the relationship with them how he were how he deceived his own uh uh his own uh his own father 
And so yeah. uh, what what kinds of conflicting emotions and and when you talk about uh, love and uh, uh, how that must weigh on him in in this regard. Yeah, I, I mean, you're, you're bringing up a point here that's a little bit more meta than just this one verse, but just this idea that there's there's so much conflict that is brought before and after and that then and we're seen almost as like a familial trait, right, that that you're going to pick and choose amongst your children. And Jacob does that even after he is duped to use Julia's language by, by Lavan for Rachel and Leah. He does that to his own kids when he has 12 to choose from, right? So there's, there's a very interesting, um, and, and it starts obviously before Jacob too, where Jacob is the product of that. Um, so very interesting, this, this general, general familial trait of, of tricking one another, which is obviously not something that we would hold up as a high, as a high familial value. Uh, Denise and then Bonnie. So I'm just looking at how Leia felt unloved or hated or whatever, but then if God is opening her womb, that means she's still having a physical relationship with this guy and she doesn't feel loved. And Mm. like, that doesn't Mm -hmm. seem like a great scenario for somebody to be in. Interesting. That's a very, very interesting point, right? That, that, that Denise is bringing up that it says here, the Lord saw, <clears throat> I don't know, I saw that Leah was hated or unloved. Um, and God opened up her womb, which the opening of her womb is only going to happen if she's also having some kind of sexual relationship with, we assume, Jacob. Um, so interesting that that unloved piece um, is she, and actually I have a commentary on this that poten- potentially could, could answer it a little bit, but was she unloved by Jacob? Was she feeling unloved, but that actually wasn't accurate to what was going on? Was she just like, <clears throat> like Elon was pointing out, is she just kind of trying to, um, trying to hold herself up against her sister who is clearly being favored, right? But that's a, that's a very interesting point. And we could have, spoken a lot about, you know, how do we, how do we get ourselves into relationships where we try to, to make it seem like we are feeling something, even if we are not in the consequences that, uh, that, that lie in that. Okay. Bonnie, Rebecca, and Nancy, we, we grew in numbers with that comment, Denise. <laughs> so I was thinking about whether or not Leia was unloved and had problems with her sister prior to Jacob's arrival uh-huh. and what the parallel between the two sisters in their relationship and yeah. Jacob and Esau. Yeah, beautiful. I, I mean, I think that goes that goes back to this whole, you know, families in Genesis seem to be pairing themselves one up against the other. Um, and it seems to always be that the parents are actually creating that. So Levan even creates that by saying, no, the oldest always gets married first. So it wasn't that she was necessarily favored, but that her status was one that meant that she was going to receive this man first, but all like, even in a, in a more um, like, I guess, poignant way, Rachel realizes that she's loved more because he's willing to then wait for her even when he gets Leia. Right. So are they pinning themselves up against one another just because of their own relationships or are the parents kind of creating that, which is, probably even more terrible. 
Also, if I can just interject, um, yeah. there's this line where, um, so these are all like amazing, amazing points. And, and there are the commentators answer and refer to, to many of them, right? And, um, but about, um, Leah and Rachel in terms of, there's a line further before, um, a little bit before where it says that, um, Leah had tender or weak eyes and Rachel yeah. was, was beautiful. So that hints sort of as, um, what, I think Bonnie, is that the name? Yeah, Bonnie. Yeah. Um, what you just what you just brought up in terms of there must have been um some sort of, you know, uneven feeling in, in the in, in terms of how they how they related to each other, which also um has this comment co- commentary to it. Um I think it is Rashi um who was saying that Leah had weak eyes, which are the Hebrew is more like tender eyes, whatever that you can go drash on that a lot too. Um, because, um, she was crying so much because, um, she heard that, um, that Rebecca, who is Laban's sister, um, Jacob's and Esau's mother, um, that, um, she had two sons and that the older was always destined for the older sister of Laban and the younger son for the younger sister, which the older would be Esau. So, the, the, the commentators, some of them go there that Leah was afraid and sad that she was going to have to marry Asaph, which then obviously didn't mm. happen. But. It's bringing me back to, and then Rebecca, I'll call on you. It's bringing me back to a point that, that we've heard a lot around um, Esther's death this week, that, that teens, and we have no idea how old Rachel and Leah were, um, but that teens often think of themselves as beautiful or as, I'm just going to use the word ugly, though obviously I don't, I don't necessarily want that to be the word used, but just not as beautiful, I guess you could say, um, based on what they're seeing in other people, right? Which is, which is kind of, I mean, we go down a whole rabbit hole about how social media therefore is terrible um, and how you're seen and, and especially like living in Los Angeles and seeing bodies redone so that they can look the way that society thinks they're supposed to look. But as Julia is pointing out, you know, who, who got to decide that in the Torah, it was written that Rachel was beautiful and Leah wasn't, was that how they thought of one another or is that what someone else decided about them right and and just the I mean that's its own mental health conversation right there like what what does it mean for somebody to consider themselves or to be considered and know that they are beautiful um and that the other one is being compared to them um as as less than or or just different than um anyway I just wanted I wanted to point that out okay Rebecca and then Nancy so most of what I wanted to say was sort of what what you had just what Bonnie said and, and a little bit, you know, of what, of the comments to Bonnie's, um, remark, but yeah. I just sort of wanted to kind of, um, maybe, um, sort of sharpen it. I mean, by taking this sibling rivalry that probably existed because of either, you know, the age difference, the, the looks, just because sibling rivalry always exists and then reinforcing it by forcing the two daughters to basically be in the same relation, you know, in sort yeah. of the same family. Whereas, um, you know, as in, I, I, have, I have, I have three kids and I know one of the main things we always tried to do was not have them, you know, going to the same after school class or just so that there is, you know, so that when they sure. leave home, they can drop that, that, um, the roles that mm-hmm. they have. And it feels like you're just reinforced in that way. 
Definitely. Definitely. And I think that I don't have sisters. Um, we have very close family friends who are like my sisters, but it's never, it's never the same as when you actually have blood, blood relatives who grew up with you in your home. I know that Bonnie has three daughters, so I'm sure she can nod along with the statement I'm about to make, but I think that for sisters, it's all the more so, right? That women, it's not just the invention of social media that has made girls look at one another and, and define themselves based on what they think is supposed to be pretty or not. Um, but the fact that these two sisters were also in the same relationship, as opposed to maybe a sister and a brother or two brothers, which comes with its own um, complications, obviously, but just that that same gender piece and, oh, we're supposed to want the same thing and we're supposed to look the same way and we're supposed to, we're supposed to, we're supposed to, that those supposed tos, right, they they really pile on and that becomes something that's that is probably adding to this snu'a piece and this, you know, ahava piece, which isn't a word in this sentence, but, it, you know, is, is adding to those, to those differences for sure. Uh, Nancy. Right. So again, most of this has been discussed, but I was really curious, like, was, she, was Leia unloved because of the deception? You know, was that the reason why? Or again, just like Julia had said right before, I think it's, it's so sad that all we learn about her is her weak eyes. That yeah. right, we don't know if she's unloved because of her personality that didn't, you know, click with hers. It's just, oh, well, she has weak eyes. And that's like, am I assuming that's why she was unloved? Or right. was it the whole deception thing that was just, I didn't get what I wanted, so now I can't love you. Right, right. Yeah, it's interesting also when, you know, we when we think about how how important it was um, to be I talked about this a little bit last week, just in terms of your station. Right. Like if you were the older child, you were supposed to receive certain things. And so you would think the reader would think that that would make you feel more loved because you're getting all these accolades just by being born first. But First of all, it was different for women. And second of all, it it clearly was not the case, right? You There were still pieces of your legacy that even if you are the oldest, you might not be happy with the way that your life turned out. Um, and again, I think it was different for, for women. But um, but a really, a really interesting point that we don't really know so much about Leah or Rachel, for that matter, but definitely don't know enough about Rachel, uh, Leah, geez, to, to qualify whether or not um, it was based on her looks that she was unloved or her personality, right? She could have been a terrible person. We would have never known because no one's anything. We just know what she looked like. And that's what, that's what made us decide that she was unloved. Okay, Rebecca, and then I'll turn it back to Julia for a commentary. Yeah, I just wanted to add that what's interesting is that in, in tradition, I know my grandmother's, um, my grandmother's name was Rachel Leah. And I know that that's sort of common where you give your, your daughter both names. So you don't yeah. choose. Um, yeah. I, so my name is Rebecca Rachel, which has nothing to do with the Torah. <laughs> it has everything to do with my, with my family, actually. But people often ask me a very similar question, like, oh, did they want you to have both sides? You know, the, the whole, the two different stories and how there were different kinds of mothers and Nope, it had nothing to do with that, but I'm glad that you can read that into my name. But I, but I do think that there's this, this element of, of bringing in both of those sides. First of all, but just, you know, based off what Rebecca just said, there are many people in our tradition named Leah, which is 
fascinating in and of itself because we don't really get so much and I think we feel badly for her and so we name people Leia based off of that she also was the mother of some very prominent people in our in our Torah obviously but we don't name Jews Asaph right and he kind of didn't get the best part of the deal but wasn't necessarily a bad guy until he turned into a bad guy so you know it, it is interesting the names we choose based on the parts of the characters that we find ourselves attracted to, um, whether or not that's what the Torah is saying about them. Um, anyway, I could go on that rant for a long time. Um, Julia, well, let's go back to you. Why don't you share a commentary or two, and then um, and then we'll see where we go from there. Yeah, before I do that, actually, to that point, because there is this, there is this, there is this, um, there's a sort of juxtaposition between Esav and Leia that, that has come up earlier. Like she's the older, she's the yeah. older daughter of Laban and Esav the older, the older son of Rebecca, um, and, and, and Isaac. And, um, it is interesting how, how the, while I'm going to, st- but I have, I have one commentator, com- commentator who really goes very anti-Leia, which is the Ramban. Um, but, um, interestingly enough, many commentators and also Midrash, is actually taking a lot of compassion and on Leia. Uh, other than you know, they could have also gone that that route with a few that a few commentators go sort of like she was hated because she deceived Jacob and yeah. she just deserved it and like all this all this all, all this stuff like no compassion. Yeah. Um, but um, but interestingly, the, the traditional um, midrashic approaches about Leia are not that. And, but it, it's sort of like siding with God in terms of you know God saw that she was afflicted and he wanted to do something. And also in terms of wanting to be loved, um, we, when we recall the name of the firstborn, which is Ruben, which, um, which is often explained as having to do with like, he saw like the first part of the the name is Ra, um, and then the yeah. other one, Yehebani, um, which, um, so she hopes that she said, now, now I gave birth to the firstborn son. Now my husband will love me, which I find is, is a very poignant. Um, it reminds me, it reminds me of when I, I took one sociology class in college and it reminds me of um, kind of the age, the age old issue of people who are about to get a divorce deciding to have a baby. Yeah. Um, Cause they think that maybe that will bring them closer and therefore they won't get a divorce. Right. That it, that's, that's somewhat what Reuven's birth um, reminds me of. I, you know, they didn't really have divorce like that back in the day. So I don't think that that was really even an option, so to speak. But it is interesting, especially to Elon's point before, that these these balances of what what can you do to offset um, that unlove? Oh, let's bring a let's bring a kid in. And not only does that mean that I have to have a physical relationship with this guy who's supposed to love me, but also means that there's going to be this child that we're supposed to love together. And therefore maybe in loving this child together, the that Jacob will learn to then also love me, um, which is terrible and sad. And um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and many of the other, the other names are also often related to, to Leia's continued sort of like hope that by yeah. her, like, see, the woman you love more is giving you all these, it's, it's not giving you children, but I'm giving you all these children, so you gotta yeah. love me. Um, yeah. Anyway, the Ramban, to go back to the commentators, um, and again, I, I wasn't entirely sure about the format, so I, I just put this in English because I thought we were going to, okay. to look at That's it fine. mostly. I don't- 
I very, very rarely share a commentary in the original because I just don't usually have time to do both. So right, I was um, I'm translating at rabbinical school a lot of the commentators, and I didn't have time to do it for this. And then you're going to become a rabbi and teach a parsha class, and you're just going to do it in English. So and I'm just going to do it in English. Enjoy. (laughs) Right, wonderful. Finally, I I get away with it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, so, so the Ramban, um, this is the common, this is the common, he has no, he has no really compassion. Um, should I, how do you do this? Should I read it? Does anybody wants to want to read it? Um, it's, 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 it's a longish, but for the Ramban, it's actually quite short. <laughs> why don't you read it? And while you're reading through it, why don't you like describe along the way why you picked this one? Yes, well, I wanted to I wanted to give like an overview of different approaches among commentators, how they explained it. So so I picked this one um, because it goes into the direction that our conversation has not gone like we have and like most other com- commentators have are trying to to see that have compassion for Leah. But the Ramban doesn't because he says now Leah had deceived her sister and also Jacob. For even if we were to say that she showed respect for her father, meaning that there is this one can explain that why didn't she say anything when she was brought into the tent? And even though, of course, from our modern point, which is not always helpful, but I can't help to I can't help to not say it, is that one would assume that Jacob would have recognized the subject of his love and desire, but that's a whole different story. So um who took her, um so so she showed respect to her father who one would assume she didn't really have any 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 saying in 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 in, in this in, in, in the scheme that, that um Laban was was playing. Um but the Raman says even that doesn't matter because um she was not rebellious against her father. She should have by word or sign indicated to Jacob that she was Leah. Um, and all the more is this so, since she feigned herself all night to be another, which was the reason why Jacob did not recognize her until he saw her in the morning. It was for this reason that Jacob hated her. But God, knowing that she did so in order to be married to the righteous one. So this is this is sort of like where he is turning a little bit to away from like, OK, so she wanted he Ramban has less compassion with Leah than than God, obviously, um, but he tries to like make it have a reason because she wanted to be married to the righteous person and not this goes back to the conversation about Leah was afraid all her life, basically, that she was going to have to marry Esau. So she wanted to marry Jacob, the righteous one who had and God had compassion on her. And then and he quotes um, a Midrash, um, Bereshit Rabbah, when Jacob saw the deeds by which Leah had deceived her sister, Thing when he realized that she had wanted to be married to him, um, he decided to divorce her. But when the Holy One, blessed be he, remembered her by giving her children, Jacob said, shall I divorce the mother of these children? Rabbi Shab's going back to the, yeah. to what you raised um, from the, from the, from the, um, about trying to save a marriage. Um, and um, well, save or not, they, they stayed married. And um, this is the meaning of the expression and the eternal saw that's the beginning of the, 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 the second half of the, the line. He had compassion upon her so that Jacob should not leave her. And then I left out something um, and um, and just went back. The last um, thing is that he, that the Raman says, Leah, however, was ashamed of the matter. And so God saw her affliction. So um, he, for, for him, for the Raman, it is also important to sort of like see that Leah like he just says she did something wrong, but then God saw her affliction because she sort of repented or was ashamed or like sort of like, you know, 
regretted um, that she had been part of this of this um, of the scheme. So that was the Ramban, um, which I found I found interesting, surprising in the way that he was so stern um, in in his judgment. Um, I, I had not expected that. Um, and with him is uh, Sorno, the Italian commentator, um, who um, comments on the on the um, on the second part, Vaiftach et Achama. And Jake Yaakov had thought that the reason Leah had been willing to deceive him was because of her awareness of her barrenness. She remained in such a state until God took pity on her and opened her womb. So he doesn't he doesn't comment on the she was unloved, but um, he comments on on God's opening her her womb and it's a, it's a, it's a different, it is also not in compassion with compassion um, for Leah, but it is a different take on what happened, why God opened her womb. And, um, and that's why I chose that one. I don't know. Do you want to um, jump yeah, in? We can just see if there are, well, we can just see if there are other people who have comments on it and then I'm happy to jump in after if there are. I have two others. I have two other ones um, okay. that are more well, let's in favor, see, but let's we can go back and forth. Come. Yeah, so sure. People have comments on this one, and then we can look at the other two. If not, and then we can go on. Yep. Anybody have any comments? <laughs> yeah, Elon. I, I find it interesting, and, and this is a, a, something I find interesting with Yaakov as a character and the, and the rabbinic perspective on him, and, and it's highlighted by the, by the commentary in the Ramban. Ramban is that he seems to get a kind of a free pass on a lot of things. So it, it, even here it says, um, so he can marry Jacob, the righteous one. I mean, right. Jacob to me is neither a great guy or a bad guy. He's okay. He's got some good qualities. He's got some bad qualities, but he never, but the rabbis never seem to really nail him on, on his bad qualities. And I also think that, that Yaakov lacks his self-awareness at no point does Yaakov see this as, um, I'll use the expression kind of paybacks a bitch, meaning that, dude, you got your position through deception and um, you kind of really don't have the right here to take the moral high ground at at being upset about the position that you're put in through, through Levon's deception. Um, I know it's a little bit off topic, but it, it certainly remi- just reading Ramban's commentary and seeing him describe Jacob as the righteous one uh, highlighted that to me. Oh, me? Yeah, go ahead. You're um, the one who brought it, so you go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, I wasn't, I wasn't sure. Also, there are a lot of um, hands raised, but um, I agree with you, Elon. I am. Um, I. It is interesting how how. The, the rabbis, midrash, uh, like all sorts of um, exegesis of, um, of of Torah, of they often when one has one person has been decided to be the good guy, when it's been decided that it's him, and especially in Jacob's case, they're going to stick with it and they're going to turn it in in whatever way, um, how however they 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 need it because because. And all the there are a lot of you know explanations of how it's going to be explained why Jacob had to do what he had to do um, to get the birthright and and all this when when we look at this it's not necessarily it wasn't the right righteous thing to do um, but um, there are more hands open one is with a 
nobody's there. Can I, yes, then, Renee, can I, do, can I just say one thing really quickly, just to add to that, that yeah. um, I, even more so in this particular commentary, not, not only is kind of Jacob being uplifted in a time of deceit and, and bad behavior, but Lavan is getting off very easy. And, and the blame is on the, system, on Leah, right. Which that they, I, they, they didn't do anything wrong, right. They're being told what they have to do. I mean, talk about, Talk about lack of lack of strength and lack of rights, right? They had zero. They their father told them where to go and who to be with, and they said yes, sir, right? There, there's nothing, and yet Ramban is coming at this, but right, blaming the victim exactly. Ramban is coming at this and yeah, saying, very good, yeah. None of the men did anything wrong, right? Right. right. She should have. She should have rebelled against her father. And that's yeah. that's a real problem with our yeah. commentators. Um, and 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 we see in the Torah that Rachel gets a little bit of that tochacha, a little bit of that rebuke when she when she has that moment when there when Jacob has quote, taken them away without saying goodbye to their father. But still, like, the, the, the power is still in Lavan's hands or in Jacob's hands. And yet Ramban is, like, making this all about the women's fault. And it has nothing to do with them. They had, they had no power to make any other kinds of decisions. Yeah, so thank wanna, you. Thank you for bringing this. I want to put an, this, even, an even finer point on that. Yeah. Okay, Bonnie and then Renee. Now, that's what I was going to say. Talk about the lack of power of the women. Um in, in those days, and this surely shows in this whole story, but also the reaction of Jacob that that he's going to divorce her right. um, after he did all that deceiving back with his brother and his mother helps him escape and he gets here and he gets a wife and two wives and children, and yet uh-oh, Leah, you got to get out of here. We're not going to do this together. You're just too bad a person. Just yeah. It's rather appalling. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. You just get rid of the thing that you don't want or that you don't think you need any longer. As the same with Hagar, right? Hagar was was let go as soon as her womb was not necessary any longer. Yeah. Renee, Tybal, and then Rebecca. I don't remember everything that I was planning on telling you, but um, the question about, you know, how Leah was feigning herself. I, I don't know what that means exactly. Like, what did she do to feign herself to, to try to convince him that she was Rachel? Right. There's only so much you can do to be like your sister, regardless right. of what that means. I mean, they, in that sense, obviously, they weren't focusing on the outer beauty because he couldn't see who, who he was with. And right. then and then God also has, uh, knowing that she did that, he has compassion for her. Well, how come he didn't have any compassion for Rachel? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I thought God's supposed to be a neutral dude. Like, he was pretty uh, not neutral there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. About the yeah. feigning, um, I, I don't know. Probably it's it's a well-known thing, but just 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 wanted to to mention the the custom of the bedecken, you know, before the before the before the wedding that the groom lifts the the veil is apparently is said to to come from that, but I'm I'm not sure but, if that's. But but with the bedecking, you're seeing the beauty. You're seeing what a person physically looks like. With them is a, at night, he really didn't see what they looked like because it was it's dark. They it's not like they. Uh, that's what Julia's. That's what Julia's saying that because of this because action, of that. right? That's why we do the bedecking. Uh, uh, that's what it yeah. came out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, sorry. No, no, no. no. Okay, okay. Tyvel and then Rebecca. Um, I I wanted to follow up on what Bonnie said when she was talking about Yaakov being the deceiver because that's actually 
the psychological phenomenon known as projection, where what you can't, what you object to most if you're a person without introspection is um, that what is something you're not comfortable in yourself. And it may be Rebecca, uh, Rabbi Schatz, I've heard you talk enough about your family to know that maybe it doesn't, it's, you wouldn't know with your siblings, but in other situations where things are more difficult with siblings, that's precisely often the kindling point are the things in one sibling that they're not comfortable with about themselves or um, would like to see differently. That's often the kindling point for totally. um, difficulties with the other sibling. Totally. 100%. Rebecca, did you put your hand down because you didn't want to say anything or? I just put it in the comments. Okay. Okay. Um, all right, Julia, we have like 13 more minutes left. Why don't you share a few more of yours without taking any comments and then we'll take comments at the end. Okay. So, yeah, so I, I have, um, okay. I have these two, um, ones that are, that, um, that speak a little bit to, to, to what the group has been, has been saying. It's sort of like echoing more, um, that side in terms of trying to understand and have compassion for Leah. And I just wanted to share so that, oh, uh, um, um, who is from um, Morocco and later in, 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 in the land of Israel and Palestine and Jerusalem. Um, he says that God saw that Leah was hated. The Torah tells us here that only God was aware of the fact that Leah was hated. She herself only felt that she was not beloved, as we shall explain by examining her own words presently. Um, in the Midrash, Bereshit Rabbah sees in the words Nu'ah merely an illusion that Leah had been slated to become the wife of Esau, which is what I was sharing earlier, who was hated. Um, and accordingly, Leah is here called by the name of the husband originally intended for her. So they, he links it with, um, with, with the, the whole Esau um, story. And if Leah had not produced children, the people would have seen this as proof that she was not meant to be Jacob's wife. So that's very interesting, I thought, that this reasoning. Um, this is why God opened her womb and granted her children. The Torah goes on to say that Rachel was barren to indicate that it was hoped that by making Leah fruitful, Jacob's hatred towards Leah would abate. The, these kind of motivations really have come up um, in, in, in our conversation as well, when she could give him children, whereas Rachel apparently could not. Mm. And the French commentator, uh, the Radak, um, says that um, Jacob did not hate her. In fact, he loved her. Um, however, seeing that he loved Rachel better or more differently, it appeared as if he as if he hated Leah. And we find a similar situation in Deuteronomy 21:15, where the Torah speaks about the husband hating and quotation marks one of his two wives. Um, I didn't find it too similar, but it is similar in that it is uses the same language, and it is about that if the the the, the less loved wife has the firstborn son. Um, even though it is the child of the less loved wife, the, this firstborn son has to be treated. Has there's no way that they can anything can be taken away from him because he is not of the of the more loved um, woman. Um, um, the meaning is that, that God, the wife, he prefers God, who knew the true state of affairs. What's their perception of her husband's feeling toward? What's their perception of her husband's feelings? There's a, what her I think fears, it just got cut off. I guess yes. Sorry. And and well, and then he continues. These are two things that actually would belong together. And then he opened her womb, um, and um, he also says that she must have been barren before. So um, 
Yeah. So those are the, the, those were like the two who were looking at at Leah's if Leah at all had any agency in the story, which is I think highly debatable. Um, um, they're trying to sort of like put this into and also like saying that she wasn't really hated. This second commentary is so terrible. <laughs> um, I mean, it just like there's there's something I could I could really imagine Rabbi Shapiro bringing this and be just like jumping down his throat about this one. I, the, you know, the the fact that that this is a commentary that basically is saying, no, he didn't hate her. It's just that when he saw another woman, he realized he just loved her more. Okay, well, that that seems to be splitting hairs and because what she, uh, to back to your to your topic, right? She feels less loved. So let's not worry about like the semantics around what does that actually mean? Let's talk about the human and let's recognize that if you love someone, you should love that someone, right? Your parents don't say, oh, I love all of you. It's just that I happen to love you a little bit more, but I love all of you. Better, love you better. Better, right, exactly. (laughs) I mean, that's the English, of course, but still, yeah, whatever that means, right? Right, so there is this very interesting you know, scenario, it's like, um, it just reminds me of like a high school, you know, when you're, when you're dating someone and you think like, oh, I'm going to marry this person is the best person I've ever met. And, but, oh, he's so, or she, whatever, are so wonderful. And then they see someone else who's, you know, new and shiny and exciting. And all of a sudden it had nothing to do with you. It was just like the excitement of being in a relationship. So that, not to say that only happens in high school. It's just what brought me back to high school, but but I think that that is, that's a really, it's a really, maybe even more deeply sad way of describing this hatred, that he in fact did love her, but then he found someone he could love more, reminding him that he actually didn't love her enough. And that, that though not how we would define hatred, I could imagine being the person feeling like that is hatred. Like, yeah. oh, so you don't love me as much as you love her. So you must then hate me. Right. Which is not what he's saying. He's just saying, I love someone else more, which we all understand what that means, but it's a, it's a, it's a painstaking, heartbreaking um, statement to make. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Rabbi David Kimchi really, really. Rabbi David Kimchi really. Yes. And um, out for our heartstrings, I guess. I mean, we know there's no real, I mean, all of that, for, for sure, like what it, what, it, what it definitely does is I feel, I, I think is that it sort of shows us how terribly lonely and sadly I must have totally. been in this, in, this, in this whole constellation. I will play, as I say, devil's advocate or throw a wrench or whatever, like, right. which, doesn't, which doesn't take away anything from what you were saying. And it doesn't, it doesn't make Leah's feeling less, um, less sad and poignant. One could also say, like, one could, Jacob met Rachel first. As least, I mean, there's no, we know there's no necessarily always chronology yeah. in Torah, but he did see Rachel first and he loved her. And then he, and then there was Leah. And that's not to take away from Jacob being a, a deceiver and Jacob being and, and anything, totally. but, it, or like even saying that the Radax comment here um, is, is in any way sort of like helpful to Leah and I want to add that no matter if she had been loved more before or he had seen Rachel but loved her before after the fact that she is in this marriage giving one child after the next after the next 
still not loved, like knows that, yes, he has relations with her. He sleeps with her. He, you know, he procreates with her, but she and her children are not as loved, but it continues through the, it continues through the children, right? Right. Right. Like, the, you know, um, so that just, just to add that when you, you know, he loved, he loved, yeah, it's how sad and lonely it must have been. That's sort of like, there was a hand raised from Bonnie. Yeah, I don't Bonnie, know but it. I think she, she put it down. It's on a little different tangent. They've used, uh, here Radak does the same thing as I forget who did it before about her being barren before. And again, it seems like, you know, blaming the victim. First of all, yeah. how could they know she was barren before? Was she married before and didn't have children? Right, exactly. I mean, it just means, seems to me that it's, this is a very anti-feminist uh, section. Totally. Totally. I mean, I think that, you know, Unfortunately, I think most of the Torah is anti-feminist, but <laughs> but but, um, but yes, no. This is definitely this is definitely a section in which not only are we not lifting the women up, but in fact we're putting them down and we're making them seem as if they are they are only useful for their womb. Um, which even with Rebecca and even with Sarah um, is is not the same, right? We we know that they want children and we know that they feel like for their relationships and for their husbands, they need to have children, which is an element of this for sure. And it's still not the same as, as Elon pointed out to us before. And I keep this image in my head of this balance, right? It's not, it's not the same as saying, well, the opposite of unloved is give me a kid. Right. right. It's still and that's really like much more anti-feminist than the other characters, which, you know, are not, you know, strong feminists in their own in their own way at all. But but still playing with this idea that Leia is really only a womb in this story. Right. Um, to so prove, much so. Yeah. To yeah, prove ahead. to prove that, you know, she's worthy of having Jacob's children like that, like that, you know, that like. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Okay, Nancy. Okay, it just makes me wonder, going back to the other class, um, whether, you know, Margaret Atwood had read any of these commentaries, which is why it was really important for her to name her training center, the Rachel Center, where you're only, you know, your only worth is having a womb and producing children. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, yeah, I'm for sure. And, and interesting, I think Rabbi Clayfield and I will talk a little bit more about this when we when we do our teaching next week. But interesting that, um, that this seems to be and, and potentially because of Leia specifically, but this seems to be really where the handmaid's tale comes from. Um, especially, you know, she does call it the Rachel Leia Center, as you're pointing out. But also just the idea that that it is so centered around the birthing of children as opposed to the relationship, um, which Hagar at least has elements of that relationship. As those of you who learned with me know that, you know, this this status piece of her moving from a shivcha to an ama is very interesting. All of those things are very different than what we're getting here in Rachel and Leah. So um, hopefully we will we'll go down even more that path, Nancy, next week uh, with Rabbi Clickfeld. Um, Julia, do you have any, like, thing you want to, like, bring together for this? Sometimes I say to Rabbi Shapiro, do you have a bow? And usually he says, Rabbi Shots, why don't you give us a bow? But I'll give it to you. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have a bow. <laughs> I'm always um, a bow. Okay, <laughs> I don't, but, um, I, I really, um, thought it was very interesting how we, 
how the conversation, but what think, but people brought before we looked in the comment, 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 in the commentaries. comments, commentaries, yes. <laughs> um, how it, um, how it, everything came up that, that the, that the commentators um, mentioned, you know, in one way or the other. Like, so I really think that we, in, in the short time, we were, we like explored it from like different perspectives. Um, yeah. And um, yeah. Um, okay. I'll add a, I'll add a bow. So I was, <laughs> I would a hundred percent. And um, I think this is such a, it's a, such a powerful topic because I think we often don't imagine our characters as having such deep feelings, right? We talk about them being loved and we talk about them being happy and we talk about Sarah laughing and we talk about those things, but this is a real deep, the fact that the word hatred is used, right? When kids say, I hate something, you often say, that's a really big word. Do you just not, do you not like it? Do you not, right? That it's, hatred is a really strong emotion to feel. um, And she feels it, as if it's happening to her. Um, So I think that the the bow that I would give to all of this is just the ways in which we, we think about how, how we express to others what we are feeling and how we, without communication, imagine those feelings are being given to us and where communication could help with all of that. And what are the things that we do in our lives to balance those things out? Um, in healthy ways, not in unhealthy ways. Um, but, you know, similar to, to the, the adage that Rabbi Quigfield gave us that when something terrible has happened that takes a lot of, out of you emotionally, put something back in you that's going to make you happy and give you back a little bit of that, of that spirit. So where, how do we, how do we deal with those emotions and how do we also help other people feel the, the things we want them to feel and not feel, um, burdened down uh w- without knowing um how we feel about them i said the word feel like 17 times in- <laughs> but, um, it's love it's about anyway, being love. We're talking about feelings it's feelings hatred and love yeah. <laughs> you have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from temple beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative judaism in los angeles if you enjoy these podcasts we invite you to write a review on the apple podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.